push on a pedal, push on a pedal, get your heart started. Push on a pedal, push it down and up again. Push on a pedal, push on a pedal, get your heart started. Push on a pedal, push it down and up again. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, put your feet on the pedals, and ride it all around, ride it all around. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, put your feet on the pedals, and ride it all around, ride it all around. Okay, so we are here on Bike Talk. This is the third episode of Bike Talk. Welcome back, if you're back. So um, we got some good news, which is that uh, KPFK is going to broadcast our, uh, well, podcast us from their website. So that's cool. We're going to get a page on their uh, website. Um, Today we have a show featuring... uh, Brad House from the LA Bicycle Advisory uh, Committee, and he's going to talk to us about bike advocacy. He's going to talk to us about the California Vehicle Code and also bicycling as sport, how biking is an underrepresented sport. Also, we have Jim C. from Orange 20, and his guest, uh, Cache, the graffiti artist, who you might recognize from the chickens on bikes in the bike district downtown and on Sunset Boulevard. So there's a lot of cool stuff today also we have uh uh some news we have a biker named ryan uh ryan bowen who is going all the way across america on a bike making a documentary about people and their relationship to obama the new president 
Uh, so we have Ryan on the air, and he's talking to Steve. So, Ryan, okay. are you there? I'm going to send out a mass text right now. Uh, Ryan, you are on. Hey there, Steven. Uh, good to have you. Um, this is Ryan Bowen. Uh, as Nick just mentioned, he's heading across the country on a bike. And uh, I just happened to meet him uh, at Orange 20, uh, the night of Thanksgiving. And he was talking up his trip that he got inspired about, uh, and he's going to be leaving soon. Ryan, welcome to the show. Let you tell. Hey, thanks for having me, Stephen. You're welcome. And Nick, this is a, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this program. I'm, I'm glad to see that there's bike advocacy on the airway. Indeed. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, so you got inspired to do something big. Uh, tell us about it. Well, uh, during the, uh, well, as many of us know, we recently had an election in the United States, and uh, there's many of us that have been very excited about the potential for uh, progress and change in the future. I, I think that there was uh, definitely those were the two mantras or almost cliches of the campaign, of the Obama campaign, was that uh, hope, progress, and change would be coming from choosing him as uh, our next president. Yeah. So, recently, actually about Two weeks ago, Friday, I, uh, I had the crazy idea because some friends were driving across the country, uh, biking across the country. I was thinking, you know, what's, uh, what's not being done and what's a great way of uh, trying to get out and see people on a grassroots ground level. And uh, I just kind of had the spur of the moment impulse to, to think about biking. Um, I ride my bike in, in L.A. all the time, and it's, it's, it's always an enjoyable experience, so... Why not try the other 4,000 miles of the country? <laughs> That's great. Um, so you're headed out Tuesday, and leading into that, you are doing a little bit of uh, resource raising, fundraising. Um, today, in fact, maybe you've got an event going. Uh, I know uh, just to make sure you've got everything you need. You want to say anything about that? Yeah, most definitely. Well, I'm a, I'm a certified massage therapist, and I work at Standing Tall chiropractic, it's a creating wellness center chiropractic uh, office in Glendale, North Glendale, California, and I have opened up the office today basically for what we're calling donation massages. Um, it's a massage on from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Anybody that comes through can just donate whatever they want to for, for a great massage. Um, myself and two other massage therapists that I studied with at massage school are going to be in, and uh, they're donating their hours for me because they, they believe me believe in me and uh, want to see me get all the way across the country. So anybody else out there can uh, can come up and get a cheap massage and donate for a good cause. That's great. Um, I guess you could give the address if you wanted. Uh, yeah, it's 3436 North Verdugo. It's up the 2 and the 210, really close to Honolulu Drive in Montrose. So if you know the La Cunada area, it's right up there. Okay. Yeah, and the best number I guess you can reach me at is 323-770-8170. Pretty easy number. So uh, if anybody's interested, definitely come on up. we got got uh, tables available, and it's a good vibe up here. we got Brownstone Pizzas donating uh, pizzas to the event. Um, I've been showed a, a lot of support with, uh, with this whole endeavor. That's great. Uh, you, I think you were mentioning that you have been lining up the possibility of interviews along the way and things uh, on your trip um, in different cities. And you want to say more about that? or? Yeah, well, besides just biking, literally pedaling across the, the southern part of the U.S., 13 states across the south, um, I'm going to be doing documentary-style 
um, footage uh, in most of the towns that I stop at. Now, I know that it's going to be a tiring endeavor to, to pedal for 8 to 10 hours a day some days, maybe, you know, 4 to 6 on others. But I'm trying to average 80 miles a day, and that's kind of a, a difficult prospect in itself. But I also am bringing along a, a filmographer by the name of Albert Vasquez. He's a, he's a recent alum from Occidental College as well, and he's a, he's a film major. And so uh, we're going to be putting together um, kind of a guerrilla-style documentary, trying to get people's perspectives of hope and progress for the future since the election. And how do we keep pushing and promoting uh, the progress of democracy? is really the, the purpose of this this video. And the video blogs are going to be on the website, www.bikingforobama.com. That's the name of the event, Biking for Obama. Pretty easy website. And uh, you can go there. And, you know, really what I'm looking for is people to participate. I want people to be on the ride with me as much as possible. If there are bikers out there, here's a call to anybody that, that's uh, going to be on the, on the path as I come through, or even if you're within a couple hundred miles. Bring your bike out and join me for a segment or a state. Um, really what we're trying to do is uh, promote progress on two wheels and uh, as well as see, get an get a honest reflection of where people are at in this post-election um, economic crisis that we're in. So, Well, it sounds great. Uh, maybe we can check in with you along the way. Uh, it's going to take you, what, uh, 50 days, did you say? Well, I have 50 days until January 20th from Tuesday. So originally I was going to leave mid to late December, but I checked into all the cycling forums, and they said for a somewhat inexperienced cyclist like myself, that would be impossible to do over 150 miles a day. So, mm, Yeah. Did I hear that you have, a, you have someone who's uh, been kind of training, working with you a little bit? Yeah, my buddy over at uh, Budget Bikes, Tony Zaldua, he's, he's been very helpful getting me on the nutrition tip, knowing to get my aminos and get my carbs in, uh, what kind of goos and energy drinks to take, uh, you know, all that. Making sure that I have my nutrition and know how to cycle uh, as well as possible, most efficiently, and make good performance out of every stroke or every pedal. That uh, sounds like a wise way to go about things for such an yeah, ambitious yeah. endeavor. I've definitely been su supported by a lot of people as I've planned this. I mean, it's been really a rapid type of event. Um, I came up with it just a couple weeks ago, and already Trader Joe's, Camelback has been my support, as well as many families and friends, my church, Pasadena Church of God. They uh, they donated to me already, and they're, they're showing major support. So uh, I feel like i got the whole world at my back. It's, it's been really good. Hopefully the wind will be at my back, too. Yeah, I hope so. Well, um, I wonder if uh, anyone else in the studio might have any questions for you, but we're going to be ramping it to some uh, advocacy stuff. And But um, guys, have any questions? Jim Bledsoe's here. No. No. Um, it's uh, this general level of excitement for what you're about to embark upon. Uh, let me see. Um, oh, I heard you. The goal is to end up at one of the, the, the gala um, balls in the inauguration. Is that um, well, not necessarily a goal, I but mean, I've talked to some, uh, that, would, that would be awesome. I wouldn't turn it down, definitely. Yeah. Um, what, what's been going on is we've passed out some information to uh, different folks along the Obama campaign and the transitional campaign, and some of them have expressed interest at, you know, possible events, but, you know, only the future will, will tell what, uh, what I guess I'll, I'll get myself into on this ride. Uh, I, yeah. I'm really looking forward to meeting up with some fellow Oxy alums along the way. Um, part of the reason that I took on this trip is because um, I went to Occidental College and so did, so did President-elect uh, Obama That's right. for his first two years. So 
Um, I've definitely been shown support by the Oxy community, and I appreciate that and look forward to connecting with people who maybe had relationships with, uh, with Obama and, or just have their relationship being, uh, being the voting. Yeah. That, that took place and, and the campaigning and volunteering. I'm trying to meet people that also weren't um, in the the blue states, um, as they the so-called blue states, and, and uh, get a perspective of what people's hopes for are in, in the areas where he wasn't the top uh, candidate. Wow, that should, be, that should be quite an interesting uh, experience uh, to hear just that broad cross-section of views. It is a momentous occasion and historic time. Um, wow. Well, I know you have a, uh, isn't your, uh, your massage thon is getting underway as we speak. Yeah, it is. We just got set up, so we're just waiting for, uh, for folks to come on in. <laughs> cool, cool. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, what's the best way on the actual trip or, or for us to be able to reach you? Because I hope to, to check in with you. Probably... Yeah, the best way is to go to the website. It's a really interactive website. It's in a, it's in a blog format, and so you you know I'll be checking up for comments or if anybody would send me an email. My email is all on the website, but you just go to www.bikingforobama.com. That's F O R Obama.com. Biking Great. for Obama. Well, that's awesome. Um, good luck uh, and have a great time. Which I know you will. <laughs> Most definitely, I appreciate the support. Oh, actually, you know, hang on the line. Um, we're uh, we, although I know you got to get your uh, event going too. Um, we're oh, you know, you were there. We met the night of Thanksgiving, and that's actually one of the things we're going to focus on um, next. But um, actually, we should probably let you go because I know you're. Okay. Yeah. You're going. That last thing, um, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Lazama from the, the Bike Kitchen was definitely showing me a lot of support. I've been talking about donating a portion of my proceeds to the Bike Kitchen because I've, I've been learning more and more about bicycle advocacy and what they're doing as a nonprofit to support um, other cyclists out there on the roads and get more people out there and, and less cars on the road. So that's, um, that's something that we're in the process of doing is partnering with the, the Bike Kitchen. Super. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, Orange 20 was um, where we met and kind of one of the reasons you're talking to us now. So, yeah, it all, it all comes together. It's a great bike community. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, perhaps that's a great note to leave it on. Um, we uh, People are filing in the studio, and uh, we're getting ready to talk to Mr. House and stuff. Uh, Ryan, greatest of luck, and we hope to check in with you often on this trip. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the support. I feel your positive energies, and... Uh, I look forward to, to seeing where we'll meet again on the road. Yes, yes, indeed. All right. All right. We'll talk Have to you later. Day. Okay. See you, Ryan. Bye. Well, we are with Jim C. Here Jim. we go. Uh, I guess the next topic of conversation today is going to be Cranksgiving, the eighth annual uh, Benefit race, charity race, featuring uh, supporting Paralos Ninos. It's basically a grocery store ride uh, the day before Thanksgiving, and it uh, ought, you run into the grocery store, grab whatever noodles, soups, whatever you have to you, ha- you got to get. Uh, each manifest there were two manifests this year. Each manifest had four stops on it. Uh, 
that was a little different. Usually it's a single manifest, uh, single manifest race. And we went straight from there basically to Para Los Ninos and dropped everything off for the kids. Okay, so we got some audio from this ride. Uh, me and Steve and my two neighbors, uh, Harrison and uh, Sandy, uh, Harrison's girlfriend, and uh, another guy named Steve and Ashira. We all went on this Cranksgiving ride. So here's it starts off with an uh, interview with a couple guys, Douglas and Ozzy, at Echo Park Cycles. Um, so I'm just going to play it. So just, yeah, they're just going for it, yeah. Okay, so how did, when did this start? Um, it started back in, actually, in New York City with a guy named Tony Rodriguez. Um, he started uh, Cranksgiving, I think, in 1999, uh, and it was to benefit soup kitchens in New York City. And when we met him in 2001 in Vienna at one of the world championships for bike messengers, um, he asked us, uh, Melissa and myself, if we would continue the tradition and have Cranksgiving start up in Los Angeles. And so that year, uh, in 2001, we began Cranksgiving here in L.A., and it's been going on for eight years now. And nice, you know, a nice thing is that it's actually popped up in, like, different places, Portland, Oregon, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, other cities, uh, you know, domestically are now holding their own Cranksgivings. So and, it's become um, kind of a little the, phenomenon. The, the winner gets something? Yeah, the winner, the winner gets, um, you know, a, a new messenger bag uh, embroidered with the Cranksgiving logo on it, and they also get um, uh, prize money and uh, fame and fortune and everything that comes with uh, winning Cranksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a free beer, yeah. What's your name? I'm Douglas. Douglas? Yeah. This is Ozzy? Yeah. Yes, hi. My name is Ozzy. And... Uh, it also goes to charity, right? Yeah, all of this goes to Para Los Niños. Um, all the food that's that's uh, collected during the race is all donated to Para Los Niños. So. Yeah, it's cool. So they go and collect food. Yeah, they go get food from each store, and then they go and they drop it all off at Para Los Niños. And they have, like, bins ready. Once they drop everything off, they go to the last checkpoint, which is the ending, the finish line, which is at Inside LA. And that's where the after party's at. And they're also going to have gold sprint races, and we're going to have prizes for that, too. Wow, so there. You're willing to go on record that we're in first place? You're in first place. You guys are the first ones to show up in a group of six. <laughs> All right. So there have been like groups of 12. And there's groups there's of been groups two. of one, groups of two, groups of three, groups of four. But you guys are the first ones to show up in six. Two have helmets. One has a beanie. One has a, 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 a mullet. And then your other friend went to, go by the, went to go by the rice. You guys are doing well. Who's got the mullet? The girl. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm so, just yeah, kidding. but how's it been so far? How many people, honestly, did you uh, We've had about... 35, 40 before you guys. You guys are you guys are pretty much in the last last place. Well, so, your story changed. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I had a couple right. drinks, but uh, <laughs> you know it's fun though. You know I'm glad to see more people coming. Um, what's your name? Uh, Anthony. But they call me Punch. Okay. And this is another messenger. We're all messengers. Charlie. Yeah, I'm also a messenger. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do they call you? Come on. Give me a nickname. Carlos. Carlos. There you go. There you go. Where are so, you guys from? What radio uh, station? K. Uh, well, we're on Kill Radio, but also it's going to be podcast through KPFK. KPFK. Okay, okay. cool. KPFK. I listen. I listen to KPFK. You know, whenever, whenever, whenever he listens to KPFK, whatever they, they mention in the morning, he comes in and work and reiterates it to us. Oh really? He makes sure we he, we know what's what, true. Yeah, that's, you know? that's I'm like, pretty much true. You're, talk, you're telling me what I just heard on KPFK on the way the, on, the, on the way to work. Yeah, I've heard of Radio. My friend's been there for the Come on, now you're in last fucking place. You're an embarrassment to the fucking messengers. Just go in there. Go to check stand four. This guy's a messenger. He's last place. He's an embarrassment to first legal. Come on, you're fired. Hey, we're beating you, man. Did you do this last year? 
No, I wasn't here. Yeah, I wasn't here last year. I've done it like three years, like four years. Yeah, I've done it for the past like three years. This is the first year that I didn't race. Yeah, same year. So we wanted to give everyone else a chance. Oh, yeah? Did you do well last year? Uh, I, I, I was like 21st out of like 75 or so. So that was, you know. What does it depend on? It's mostly like speed or brains or? No, the knowledge of the neighborhood. I mean, there's people that grew up here that know, they're not necessarily fast, but they know the streets. And, um, like, for instance, this street um, is probably, like, from here to downtown is probably, like, five minutes slower than the street a block away. Oh. So, okay. Yeah, just from the lights and everything else. All right, cool. And it's for charity. It's like the... Yeah, for Para Los Niños. So, you, you know, the point is to buy food and give it to... An organization that, like, feeds kids and, you know, for inner-city kids that need it. And so is the messenger community generally, like, a like a altruistic, philanthropic kind of a community? Or is that just, um, like, one day of the year? Type it's thing? mainly a one day of the year. The other races we have are just for fun, you know, and you win money or, you know. But every, every Thanksgiving they have this this event, so... I mean, between all of us as, like, a, a family, we're pretty generous and take care of each other. Um, so I, I guess this would just be an extension, you know, to the community that we live in. So. All right. Yeah, you guys share the same houses. Yeah. All right, cool. I don't know. I guess it's, like, a super fun thing for people on wheels to do. And, and uh, you know, at the same time, like given to charity, you know, like, is it like it's a pretty cool rides? idea. Is it, is it just like every other ride, or is there something different about Thanksgiving, is it like... No, this is probably what, like, you know, I feel like I, I wouldn't necessarily want to be involved in too many other rides. <laughs> I feel like this one is, like, special, okay. you know, you know. <laughs> So how many people come just by, a come little bit. Through here tonight? Wait, Forty-three. Wait, who are you? Oh, I'm. Uh, my name is Beth Barham. I happen to be the mother of Jim Cadenhead, who is one of the owners of Orange Twenty Bikes. Jim C. Jim C. Yes. Everybody, that's Jim C's mom. So what's it been like? It's just been awesome. Is this your first Thanksgiving? Yes. My first Thanksgiving, but not my first exposure to the biking world. Right. Or underworld. Anything unusual, strange tonight happened, or just run smoothly? Very smoothly. Um, a lot of people were surprised that they had to do anything here and questioned doing five push-ups. Most of those that we that questioned it, we let them pass. A couple of them we wanted to tell them to do ten. But, you know, other than that, it was really smooth. Do you have, don't you have some kind of a power of the race? No. No. I actually, I actually cut, oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, you can be disqualified if you do not have your manifest for the first four stops. Or if you don't do push-ups. Or if you don't do push-ups. Yeah. So there's there's only one person who didn't do push-ups, but we found a quick alternative. <laughs> Five jumping jacks. Why wouldn't we do push-ups? Because they said, I'm not doing that. 
So they took a stand. The only person who took a stand, and there was an alternative available. Nobody else knew. Um, well, I'll have to discuss with that person if they would like to be disclosed. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Jim's mom. Second year holding, retaining his championship status. We got Ron Milam in the house, folks. Ron Milam. Let's hear it for him, man. He's been looking at it for years now. Something's got to give. So that was uh, that was some stuff from the Thanksgiving. Whoops. Um, now deconstruct some of this. Well, we had a uh, for the second time in the row we had Ron Milam take first place. Uh, he, I do know, at one point he left behind his manifest and he had to double back and and pick it back up from the the grocery store. So he still came back and spanked everybody. Good job, Rob. But like Ron also works as the bike sage, so if you have any questions, he, he puts, uh, I know he keeps cards out at Orange 20, I think probably the Bicycle Kitchen and Echo Park Cycles as well. So if you have any questions, want to learn how to get outside and get on your bike, Ron's a great person to, to use as a, uh, a source there. Um, also... And we have an interview with him. But I do know that he donated all of his money to the Bicycle Messenger Emergency Fund, uh, the winnings from Cranksgiving this year, which the Bicycle Messenger Emergency Fund has been going now for, uh, oh, gosh, oh, just about 10 years. It was started as a nonprofit by a messenger down in Florida, a guy by the name of Jean-Andre Valerie. Uh, he now lives in El Centro here in California, and he's working on the SoCal cycle, SoCal roller races, and he's putting together a series there. But I did want to give a shout-out to Jean-Valerie and to the Messenger Emergency Fund, which does an incredible job. Every time a messenger's hurt, they automatically cut him a check for $300 and send it to him. So they do need... Uh, they do need donations. We do take donations at Orange 20, or you can donate directly to the Bicycle Messenger Emergency Fund. So it looks like we've got an interview coming up here with Ron, uh, but Nick stepped out. We do have new to the uh, studio here. we got Brad House, Eric Kay, uh, Jim Bledsoe's back, and we also have Steve. 
So, and Steve did the interview earlier here with uh, Ryan, uh, who's going across country for Obama. And let me see if I can rig up this uh, this interview with Ron here. With Madi, uh, who's the first place female winner, and then it goes into Ron, and then it goes into the third place winner, Owen, if we want. Um, so here's uh, Madi. Madi, right now, uh, been doing Cranks Again for six years, uh, finally won after so many attempts of not reading my manifest properly and this is my achievement <laughs> my first time so it's fun it's great i love it i've been doing it for six years being a messenger fucking getting hit by cars loving the whole job and participating in the races and then still pitching in and working at the bar and making sure everybody just gets home safe pretty much so that's me muddy <laughs> so what was your strategy just read my manifest, pay attention to it, and memorize the stuff. Eventually, after six years, you better fucking get that shit right. <laughs> you know, if you don't, then something's wrong with you. <laughs> but the last two years, they changed it up, though, and I didn't do it when they changed it up. So this is the first year they changed it up, and I, I paid attention. I thought they don't give the manifest down until the start of the race, right? Yeah, that's when they so do. You have to plan pretty quick. Yeah, yes. yeah. But the thing is that... Luckily, I already knew from previous times the old manifest, you know, you memorize it. And the new one, they put two of the markets where I grew up in, which was like close to mid Welsh area. So I already knew where they were. So that helped me out. And I just worked out the strategy how to like go to the two further one first and then just head it back. And then I know all the back roads of the streets and even though they might be a little heavier to climb, but you got to climb them and they get you there faster. You know, like, so that's pretty much how I did it. I ride right now is a felt. It's a roadie. I usually ride a uh, KHS uh, track bike. Yeah, so it's my first time doing it on a road bike. Are you connected with a bike shop or, like, a scene? Well, no, not not really a scene. I mean, I've just been a messenger for six years, you know, and um, this is my first year where I actually stopped messengering due to a back injury, but uh, Echo... Park bicycles, you know, those are my people. I've seen them, you know, like for the last six years. Melissa, Doug, and Ozzy. I've raced with them in New York and Boston, and you know, yeah, I did the R1 over there with them. So just keep trying. <laughs> Eventually, you're bound to win something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, it's great. It's a great night. <laughs> I have a nice big smile. Yeah, for those of you who can't see. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, she does. That's true. <laughs> That's all I got. I participated in the, in the event, too. But I think I might have seen you. Because you were way ahead. <laughs> I was trying, you know. It's just I was dying of thirst the whole time. Part of the race, I had my manifest in my mouth. So that's not really easy to write and have a manifest in your mouth. It just, what is the manifest? It's, uh, they're spoke cards, actually, and they got hole-punched. Every market you got after you came out with your canned good or your pasta or your soup, you know, whatever it is that you bought at that point, you know, you got your hole-punched and you're off to the next one. Just hustle. I had, I had a girl that we were both messengers, and she was on my ass, 
And I've been on someone's ass before, so I knew what it was, what it felt like to have someone just fucking right on your ass. It's just like, <laughs> it's like stop sniffing my ass, get away. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. She was definitely a friend, you know. And she just, two? yeah, she was number two. She was Karina. Karina. So she was the one that was just behind me the whole fucking way. I was just like, fuck. When I got to one of my last ones, I was like, has Karina been here? Has Karina been here? They're like, no, you're the first girl. I was like, ah! <laughs> Just looking haul ass. did you know you were going to win? After I hit Trader Joe's and I knew she hadn't gone she there. the same exact route, or did she just No, I don't think she needs to have my markets, though, of the new manifest. So I think that was my advantage, knowing my two home markets. Went to them for 13 years, so you better know their addresses. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, para los niños. Yeah, and it's it's great. You know, they love it, and every year they're appreciated. You know, like they appreciate us doing all the work that we do. It's like, you know, not many people really think of it. It looks small, but you know what? They do care. They 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 appreciate it definitely, and they show love in return. No, no. You know, Doug, Melissa, and Ozzy have organized this for the last eight years, and it was it just comes out of them. You know, out of the LABMC and then the messengers, you know, we all come from, you know, low-income families. We've all struggled, so, you know, we want to just give back, definitely. We always just want to give back. We know how hard it is for them, and some of us are still struggling to this day, so, but still we want to give back, no matter what is our communities. We all live around here, so, you know. Non-profit, correct, definitely. They help, yeah, exactly. You know, they have food drives too, just like many others. You know, like missions, and there's also Centro del Pueblo down the street, right here on, you know, in Echo Park. They do the same thing, and I was blessed enough to qualify because I am low income, and I actually, you know, someone's gonna donate for me for Christmas because you know I'm also low income. You know, I'm a single mom and struggling to make meets and and you know. It'll be my turn in December to receive something from somebody that, you know, went out of their way to fucking donate to. So, it's it's a cycle, you know. If you're going to, you know, you give and you receive, that's how it should be. And that's how it is. So, I love it. <laughs> we had a fantastic ride. It was really a well-organized event. And... Uh, we just hit the road at about 7.30. We, uh, it's a benefit for Para Los Niños, a really great organization doing good work for kids in the city. And we started about 7.30 and just raced our hearts out and had to stop at uh, eight different markets and buy stuff. And uh, it's phenomenal. It's really exciting, really fun. And so you did it last year. You won two years in a row. Tell us about that. Uh, tell us what? About that. Uh, like, uh, what's I, it like to win two years in a row? How I'm, do I'm really surprised. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. Um, I'm 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 surprised. I was in better shape last year. I feel like, and uh, I didn't think I'd do it this year. But then I thought, ah, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. And um, <clears throat> I love it. It's you know, it's a combination of a race, but it's a treasure hunt as well. So I'm just I'm feeling really excited, and I'm also just excited that so many people did it this year, and there's so many uh, old faces, old friends, and new faces, and just a really good vibe. It's, it's exciting to see the bicycling community just kind of thrive and grow in the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> 
Cool. Actually, that's pretty good. Um, I could almost stop it there, but, but yeah. tell me about like any any of the specifics of like, you know, was it touch and go? Did something happen that was unexpected um, on the in the race? Yeah. Um, any moments that one one about? great moment is you know p- part of the part of the the strategy is you know, once you find what you're buying in the market is you try to race in front of the line and you're sort of, you're cutting in front of people so that's not such a great thing. So as I would do that, I'd say, sort of say, hey, this is this is a benefit for the children. Thanks, um, I'll be really quick. Thanks for letting me cut in front of you. And I was in one store and uh, I said that to this, this older woman and I go, do you mind, do you mind? And most people were like, yeah, sure, no problem. And she's like, nuh-uh, honey, I don't think so. You're not cutting in front of me. And I'm like, oh, really? It's, it's for the children? She's like, nope, ain't, ain't gonna happen. And I'm like, all right, and then she looks at me in the eye. She's like, "She's like, no, nah, it's all right. You go in front of me. You know, you go, you go." And we, I gave her a big hug, and we laughed. And so there's the little moments of kind of connection all along the race. That was that was really exciting. There seems to be a really good feeling surrounding this, especially for you and and, um, and the other the female winners. It seems to be like an, uh, an interesting vibe going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's much to be. Th- it's Thanksgiving, you know. We're here. We're thankful. We're. It's. It's a benefit. You know, it's for a good cause. It's fun. Uh, you know, we're out doing what we love, bicycling in Los Angeles. Where you know, a little bit of competition always makes it kind of exciting. And uh, it just. It's adventuresome. It's. It's a little bit of the wild in the city, and that's something I think we all need. Um, yeah, she said. She said that. What was it like to have somebody like? What, how close was your number two person? And, and when did you know that you would win? And, and I, um, the it's funny. It was the same number two animal who got second place last year. So it was like kind of a repeat. And we actually rode. We were riding to the second stop together. And we're like, hey, let's ride together. Let's drag off each other. Let's let's do this. And um, and then we lost. I had to go back to one of the stops to get my my thing stamped and uh, or punched. And uh, I just yeah, I, I just assumed that. My tires. <laughs> I just assumed that Animal was ahead of me the entire time because he's super fit. He's, a, he's an incredible cyclist, you know. I just assumed he was in front of me the whole time. So I was racing just to catch up to him. And we, we did completely different routes. Um, and when I went to Parlos Ninos and dropped off the food, I'm like, okay, so how many folks are ahead of me? And Melissa's like, no, you're the first. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I said, this is for the children, which is what I said last year. And then I was, I was racing out. I actually, Animal and I crossed paths like a minute or two later. I'm like, whoa, all right. I'm like, better just sprint this out. So, uh, but, you know, we, 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 he actually just destroyed me. We did uh, um, the wind sprints. We did the little sprinting on the inside. So he's like, let's do this. And he just destroyed me in the sprinting category. So I might have a little more endurance, but he's got the real speed on me. And uh, it was cool. We, we chatted about it, talked about it, debriefed. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's a community thing. And it, it's, yeah, it's, it felt like we all won something tonight. Uh, that was Ron Milam, and Ron was the first place men's winner for the second year in a row of Cranksgiving, which happened Wednesday night, and it was a benefit for Para Los Niños, and it was also uh, run by Echo Park Cycles. A lot of people who worked there, and Jim C. was uh, running the checkpoint at Orange 20. And now we have Brad House uh, in the house, and he is uh, a member of the LABAC, the Bicycle Advisory Committee, which advises the LA City Council on bike issues. Hey, Brad, here's the here's the mic. All right, thank you, Nick. Wow, it's uh, really wonderful with uh, what's going on these days with all the passion and the uh, cycling activities, 
fundraising, events. It's wonderful. And uh, I uh, called in about two weeks ago to the show when I found out about it. And here I am in the studio now. This is really neat. So thank you, Nick. Uh, K-I-L-L Radio. Uh, by the way, the call station is 213-252-0998. That's 213-252-0998. I'm Brad House. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I've got uh, 45 years of bicycling experience from commuting to school as a kid since I was a kid and also to work as an adult as a bike commuter and in competition as a Category 2 level racer, uh, three-time California state champion as well in racing. So I do bicycling as a sport as well as a utilitarian uh, effort. And I've successfully fought and won three traffic tickets for uh, bicycling. And uh, I'll tell you about those maybe later if we have time. The uh, uh, passion that I first got turned on to in cycling was uh, John Forrester's book. So I've got to give credit to John Forrester's Effective Cycling. And his guiding principles in that book are that uh, cyclists fare best when they're act-like and are treated as drivers of vehicles, which is what we are on the road, that uh, the California state law gives us these rights. So, so my passion developed after feeling the squeeze, so to say, of more and more cars being on the road. I grew up in Los Angeles, the, the South Bay, Torrance area, and a little sheltered down there, not necessarily in the inner city. And uh, I actually had an interesting experience coming into the inner, inner city this morning, uh, Jim, uh, Jim might be able to relate to this. I don't know if you've used the trains or anything, and uh, Nick or anybody out there that's used the trains. Yeah, on your bikes. Okay. Um, I got on the platform down in uh, the South Bay area and grabbed my ticket, and a couple of pedestrians ran up and yelled at the train to hold up, and I turned around and said, yeah, hold up a second. Uh, the train operator looked right in the eyes, right in my eyes, opened the door back up for the pedestrians who went around me, got on, then slammed the door in my face, and I had to wait for the next train. So, anyways. Yeah. Civil rights. Happens. <laughs> we, we actually all, almost got kicked off the train for trying to bring our bikes on at one point, so. Is that right? So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Some of the, some of the operators, you know, those darn kids. Yeah, there goes the neighborhood is, is basically what it is. It's uh, people on bikes. So, anyways, uh, on to um, the... Uh, you know, auto-centric community out there just created more and more of a hostile environment for bicycling. For example, speed limits, we've all seen speed limits go up and up, and more and more cars are out there, fewer pedestrians, uh, fewer bicyclists too, narrower lanes and fewer safe routes, for example, safe routes to school. And here's a specific example, like in 1969, 48% of American children ages 5 through 15 either walked or biked to school, 48%. That's huge. In 2001, only 16% did in the U.S. That's a, a U.S. EPA report. You know, what do you think of that? That's Brad, you know there has been a, the study that going on by Safe Routes for School and also um, what Rails to Trails just put together a, on a book, <coughs> a book that they've introduced on the hill there in dc in order to try and promote more people walking and biking to school uh there's right now there are i think four cities across the country who are pilot cities that are getting money federal funding i know 
Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minneapolis. That's that's one of the areas, and they've actually seen a dramatic increase in cycling. And this has been, I think, two years now, two three years. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know anything about that at all, or? Well, I know there's money available out there, and I actually have heard of cities applying for safe routes to school funding, and I'm not sure about their eligibility with their activities, but I believe having a uh, bicycle plan really helps when you apply for these grants. Is that, is that true? Or? Yeah, we, we talked about, last week we talked a little bit about the master plan of the city of Los Angeles and the bicycle transportation uh, plans, and I do know that the pilot cities were part of the, I, I think, the, the overall statewide, not statewide, federal government master plan, transportation master plan. The, the part of the program was to see how well these pilot cities worked and then to determine how much money to give to the the safe safe routes to school and the other some of the other plans here eric actually probably knows a little bit more about this than i do yeah we've got eric knutson also in the in the house here from the los angeles county bicycle coalition uh, eric wanted to have a little input too and the uh, bike riders collective as well yeah uh safer to school and there's also bicycle transportation account funding both of which come through caltrans um you need a bicycle master plan in order to to qualify for that bicycle funding. Uh, unfortunately, uh, most of the cities here in Southern California do a really poor job of applying for both of those grants. There's, of course, m- very much a car-first mentality with transportation um, planners here, and they just don't get it, and they write pretty bad grants. I've seen some of them, and that's a real problem here. Uh, there's a lot of funding uh, safe routes to school funding and BTA funding that is just not that Southern California cities are not getting just because um, cities don't know how to apply for them. Yeah, there's also something that came in called the uh, Complete Streets Act. Was that on the uh, state or federal level? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, that was just passed, Complete Streets, um, and that's on the state level. So any believe it is any new street needs to consider pedestrian bikes and mass transit um but unfortunately we've got a lot of old streets that are incomplete streets and so it doesn't really help with that unfortunately right la's all built out so where are we going to find space for these so there's a lot of wonderful things going on there and opportunities though lots of rides so one of the things that i would like to see and this is my personal interest but i believe you can get your most bang for your buck is some education we have the opportunity to to get some funding to change our infrastructure to to add wider streets more bike lanes routes paths etc but we can engineer and build facilities all day long and you're still going to have to ride your bike that last mile or two or longer to get to your workplace or to your home and while you are out there, you are sharing those roads with other users, particularly automobiles, and occasionally a few pedestrians. They say nobody walks in L.A., but we'd like to see that happen a little bit more. So education, I, let's, you know, let's, let's reinvent our, our transportation attitude, for example, out there. When you're out there driving your car, you're surrounded in this bubble, and you're so isolated, and you're not really getting in touch 
with your environment. And, and motorists, and this is a message to the motorists out there, too. We're all motorists, too. Some of us are. Some of us choose not to drive. I chose to ride my bike here today, which was a fun experience, and uh, it's Saturday. So there's only half a million cars out there today. Uh, <laughs> we need more people on bikes, adults and children, both adults and children. And motorists also need to be more accommodating of all roadway users. So just a message to you motorists out there. If you could slow down a little bit, don't be in such a hurry. Look around for more than just other motorists. You're not just sharing the roads with motorists. You're sharing the road with pedestrians. You're sharing the road with bicyclists. And bicyclists also need to familiarize themselves with the vehicle code, the California vehicle code, that gives us the rights to use the road. And, and let's exercise our rights to the road. And let's do it legally. And like John Forster says in his book, Effective Cycling, let's, let's use the road, act like vehicles, and try to be treated like vehicles. So that's kind of an introduction. What, what happened then was I got, you know, this passion about cycling and decided to get a little more involved. So how did I get more involved locally? Well, several years ago, I used to work for an aerospace company, and we have uh, a thing called the Regulation 15 at the time by the South Coast Air Quality Management District, which was a rule to encourage and support rideshare. And the rideshare program included all modes of transportation. So the corporations were under the gun to provide incentives such as lockers, showers, public transit assistance, uh, funding even, and uh, rideshare bike-to-work days. So I got involved with my bike-to-work day at my local business, and that was all wonderful and great back then. And later I discovered there are groups out there that advocate for bikes. And I got involved with bicycle advocacy. Advocacy, you know, means uh, if you take the Latin word apart, what is it? Advocate, vocal is uh, to speak, ad is towards, so you're speaking towards bicycling. And I joined the LA County Bicycle Coalition. I also had experience helping out the Bike Coalition with the River Ride, their annual fundraising event, the LA River Ride, which is a great event, great course right down the L.A. Riverbed from Griffith Park all the way to Long Beach and back. Wonderful course, good support on that. Worked in their membership department, helped out with membership a little bit. And uh, then I found out that there was an opening on what's called the Los Angeles Bicycle Advisory Committee. And the opening was in the south uh, district called Council District 15. And I applied for it. So... The Bicycle Advisory Committee is a legislative body that acts in an advisory committee to the mayor of L.A., also the city council members and various agencies in, of the city of L.A., and basically speaks towards and encourages and facilitates the use of bicycling as a regular means of transportation as well as recreation and sport. So I was lucky, and I got appointed to represent the Council District 15, there's a representative on the Bicycle Advisory Committee from each of the respective council districts throughout the city of L.A. And I believe that is 16 or 15 council districts. We meet every two months in the Los Angeles uh, Parker Center right now, which is the uh, LAPD department. And there's opportunities for you, the public, to get involved 
by coming to our meetings and providing public input, letting us know what you think, and uh, uh, kind of supporting the, the advisory committee with your opinions. So some of the accomplishments that I started out with the committee was, for example, the first thing I did was I took a look at the bikeways in Council District 15, which is, uh, let, me, let me identify that also. That's uh, Harbor Gateway, San Peter, Wilmington areas, South, South Los Angeles. So we're, we're way out there. We're off the grid of you guys in downtown. So. <laughs> and we, uh, I went out and took photos and went around and identified the Class 2 bikeway issues. I started with Class 2. There's three types of bikeways. Let me get into that also. Class 3 is your bike route, which is basically a sign on the street indicating this is a recommended route for bicycling. Class 2 is a bike lane. Class 2 bike lanes have specific standards based on the streets and highways manual on how wide they need to be, what kind of conditions they need to be, and these are painted lines on the streets. And then you have your Class 1. Class 1 is actually a separated pathway, of which I don't believe we had any in District 15. So I started with Class 2 and went down and identified some of the issues such as storm gratings, um, debris. There was a, a, a K-rail laying right across the bike lane in the, the San Pedro area where, you, you know, you come up to this K-rail construction area. It's like, well, what's this doing here? <laughs> Leftover from a construction project in the port somewhere, you know, yeah, you swerve out into traffic and you swerve back into the bike lane. Anyways, I identified all these things and we got most of these things taken care of relatively quick through uh, transportation department. Some of the other things that I've seen since I've joined the committee, we, we have given some advice, for example, the DWP Festival of Lights, which held each year in Griffith Park. And I believe we're going to have some more detail on that in next week's show on the issues with the Department of Water and Power. They have a festival called the Festival of Lights, and it's held each holiday year. There are all kinds of animals and creatures built with these Christmas lights, and it's really cool. But what they do is they close the streets to bicycles and allow only cars there with up to a 90-minute wait with their engines idling, getting into Crystal Springs Drive to see the Festival of Lights. So after much debate at the end of uh, last year, listening from our constituents who didn't like that, and I agreed with them, we prepared a nice letter, fired it off to uh, the Department of Transportation, uh, Department of Water and Power, sorry, Chairman of the Board, Nick Petsoris. Shall we read the letter? Or, uh, I guess we got time. We have time to read the letter. And basically advising them of what we felt of that. And this is what the advisory committee does. So, Honorable Chairman Petsoris, the City of Los Angeles Bicycle Advisory Committee has reviewed and discussed the issues presented to the BAC by the public concerning the restriction of bicyclist access to roadways during the Department of Water and Power's annual Festival of Lights. The BAC has also heard DWP's concerns about bicyclists sharing the roads during this festival. And while we appreciate these concerns, we believe they are unfounded and not supported by statistics or even anecdotal evidence. The issue of safety seems to be the primary concern of DWP. Testimony from bicyclists, however, indicate 
that they are most concerned about the following. Number one, restriction of bicyclists' rights to travel to and from desired destinations. Two, the restriction of users of non-polluting modes of transportation from enjoying the festival. Number three, the perpetuation of a false perception that bicyclists and motor vehicles cannot safely share the roads, especially at the slow gridlock speeds encountered during the Festival of Lights. And number four, the fact that motorists are given priority over bicyclists. One of the purposes of the Bicycle Advisory Committee is to advise Los Angeles City agencies regarding facilitating the use of the bicycle as a means of transportation and recreation. Therefore, we advise and recommend that the DWP not discourage, limit, or restrict bicycle usage on roadways at any time when motor vehicles are allowed during the Festival of Lights. It is further the view of the Bicycle Advisory Committee that bicycles are part of traffic and should be treated equally as such. In addition, we also advise and recommend that DWP verbally notify drivers as they enter the Festival of Lights to drive safely and pay attention to all other users on the roadway, in particular bicyclists. We also encourage DWP to prepare a handout or brochure informing motorists that bicyclists have the same rights as motorists, take up less space, do not wear out our road race, conserve energy, and emit no exhaust emissions. This brochure or handout can be included at minimal cost in DWP billing statements mailed to Los Angeles residents and or handed out to vehicle passengers as they enter the Festival of Lights. Thank you for your consideration of bicyclists in the future planning of the event. If you have any additional questions or concerns, please contact me directly at et cetera, et cetera. And that's from the Bicycle Advisor Committee. So that was our advice regarding the Festival of Lights last year. And, uh, what do you that's think a of that, good letter Jim? there, Brad. Uh, I had a question for you. Did you get any feedback from those guys after they received it? I did not. I have heard that uh, Mr. Patsouris, I believe, is running for election in another office, and they now have another chairman of the board at DWP. So it, it's it's not looking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, the letter really clearly states the rights of cyclists. It's, a, it's awesome. You did a, a great job there. Um, but how often do these letters that you send out come back or just fall fall off the end of the earth after that? You know, you don't hear anything back from these guys. and And I feel like that's... That has a lot to do with the mentality of cyclists. They don't see me. They don't care about me. Nobody's nobody's listening. I'm just going to go out here and fight for myself. You know, right? It's it seems like a futile effort sometimes to 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 do these things, but that is our job as the advisory committee. We have basically no power to make any decisions, but we are we are an advisory committee, and we are empowered to give right. advice, and that's exactly why I put this letter together. That's our advice, and all we can do is keep following up and hounding them and saying, hey, this is what we advise. This is what the public wants. And do you have a couple of places that are spots of hope, places where you have seen progress and change in your in your district, or are there? Is it something that we're starting to even just see more cyclists on the road, just see more support for for the advisory committee? Well, I think the presence of more cyclists on the roads speaks wonders for improvement of facilities and, and accommodation of our wishes. It's, it's just a matter of, of getting the numbers out there 
and knowing that there's a demand for this among the public. I did see some pretty good response with the Class 2 bikeways district uh, 15 state report that I put together regarding some of the improvements that need to be done on on the bike lanes. And most of those issues have been corrected. This is Jim Bledsoe here. Do, do you have any, um, in, in your district, do you have cyclists who know about you, and, and do you meet with your cyclists the constabulatory there in your district on a regular basis? That would be a wonderful idea. We, When I first was appointed, I did put out a press release through one of the local papers. I believe it was the Lomita harbor area connection indicating who I am and that I'm on the bicycle advisory committee and I gave out an email um, I got one email from someone regarding an issue that I'm that I can't remember um, and I've also had some visits from at least one other cyclist who's visited me at my place of work in San Pedro the bike palace uh, I believe his name is Russell very active in the cycling community rides a fixer fixie yeah, I believe Russell was on here last week. Oh yeah, Russell. Right. Um, the uh, how many council districts are there in this? How many other people? How many other cyclists are in in city government in your in your same place in other districts? Well, there there are fifteen council districts throughout and, the city, and each one has a cyclist advocate. Correct. In it? Each one has an appointed representative to represent their respective district on the bicycle advisory committee also the mayor's office has two or three appointed representatives huh so but in the broader cycling community this is this is news i think that that these that these people exist and that we have this advocacy uh, situation there so um maybe 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 this is really a, a groundbreaking news we've got here on kill radio that 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 Within our community, there is we have a direct pipeline to the city, and we need to find the names. First, we need to identify what districts we're all in, and then identify the names of the people who who are in your same stead there. Right, right, Jim. And there's a there is a website, ladotbike. dot org, I believe. We'll have to have somebody do a search on that, or just do a Google search on ladotbike. There is a complete website that discusses the entire Bicycle Advisory Committee, what its functions are, and who are the members. I don't believe there are direct emails or contact info for each of the representatives, but I think that would be a wonderful thing to do to put up there on that website is to say, here, here are your local representatives. If you live in this district, contact them, give them your input before the next meeting. We, we've had, you know, most of the contact we've had have been people attending the Bicycle Advisory Committee meetings, which are governed by the Brown Act. They have to be open meetings. You have to provide public input. And we've got a lot of public input, which is great. Uh, this is Eric Kay here. Uh, Councilman Reyes had a um, motion to reform the BAC, and I'm, I actually haven't followed up on what happened to that. Do you know what, what, what's going on with that, Brad? Uh, yes, I I actually happen to have the motion right in front of me here. Ed Reyes, that was uh, the Transportation Committee, I believe, October 28th. And I think there was a concern about its leadership, uh, particularly, and its effectiveness. And I think that's what Reyes was trying to address. I mean, I can I can speak personally. I just I'm rather dissatisfied with its 
Right. There's with some... at least half. I mean, you know, for instance, half of the committee at the last meeting was complaining about not being able to park at Parker Center, and that's the bicycle advisory committee. And so I think if they're complaining about not being able to park their cars, we've got a problem. And then we have a president who, quite frankly, uh, you know, may have served honorably for a long time, but it's it's perhaps time for him to pass on the baton to someone else. Um, and I think Reyes was trying to address this, and I, I don't know what, what happened to this motion. Yeah, the motion is to is to reorganize the Bicycle Advisory Committee and to, to give the committee somewhat more power and more assistance as well, and that includes some additional staffing from various departments such as city planning, recreation and parks, and also to hire staff to post and disseminate meeting agendas and minutes so that they're all done in compliance with the Brown Act. The committee has in the past suffered from some understaffing issues which has caused things to be delayed such as meeting minutes being posted. I, I don't know all the details on that. But the, the reorganization looks like a good thing and it looks like it'll be certainly helpful. The, the founding Basically, the founding chairperson, not the founding chairperson, but the one who was appointed, Alex Baum, and uh, bless his heart, he's, he's, he's been working on this thing as a volunteer for many, many years, and the uh, position of chairman is now going to become, when this, when this reorganization is completed, one of the effects of it would be to make that position an elected position, and the committee members would be able to nominate and elect a chairperson on the Bicycle Advisory Committee. So that's another one of the changes coming up. So, um, But God bless Alex Baum. He's, he's done a, a really great job over the years. He, he's, he was actually instrumental in bringing the Amgen Tour of California to California. That was one of his passions for many, many years. And uh, he, he, he worked on this for years and years and years. And finally, we have this pro-bicycling event, which, which really, I think, helps us all. To, to bring the sport in, to bring it in as, as sport as well, then it gets recognized as a legitimate activity. And uh, Alex Baum also, because of many of his accomplishments in the past, he's the only living person that has a bridge named after him on the LA Riverbed bike path, and that's the Alex Baum, Alex Baum Bridge that goes over, is it Los Feliz? Or? Yeah, it sure is. Yep. Yeah, Jim. Pretty awesome. Um, yeah, speaking of the pro race coming through here, Amgen Tour, uh, we do have a lot of pro cyclists that live here in the area. Do you ever get any endorsements or any of the kind of fan support or the base? Uh, any any of the pros come out in support of cyclist rights and cycling rights here in, in Los Angeles? Yeah, we're going to have a talk on that later, actually. We're going to talk a little bit about sports cycling. It's one of our feature events um, coming up well, that's awesome. in a little while. I've got some calls we're going to make to the local athletes. I've got a list of names, so uh, stand by for that. That'll be interesting. One, one person that I might want to mention, though, that has been involved in the legal issues, Bob Mionsk, who was uh, a pro cyclist. I believe he's in Colorado now. He's an, he's an attorney now, and... He has a book now called Bicycling and the Law, and it has everything in it about the uh, laws you need to uh, uh, look, and it's got a lot of good advice in it. It's called Bob Mias. It's called Bicycling and the Law, and he's a lawyer now. We also have a local lawyer, Tom Forsyth. I have to put a plug in for him, who, who wanted to put out to there anybody who feels they've been wronged by the system 
or has received a ticket on their bicycle or needs some kind of defense in court, Tom Forsyth Law is the one on that. And I'll have his number for you in a minute. The um, uh, LADOT bike, I have to put that out there. That's uh, the, the website for the Bicycle Advisory Committee is lacity.org slash LADOT slash bicycle. Again, that's lacity.org slash LADOT slash bicycle. There is a meeting coming up, the final meeting of this year, this Tuesday at 7 p.m. in Parker Center. The agenda has been posted for that on that site. You can look it over. You can come to the meeting, give your public comments, and so on and so forth. So this is KILL. Our phone number here is 213-252-0998. Jim? Well, thank you very much, Brad. I think uh, next up... That was really interesting. Like, it's good to hear even that we have some representation, and I'd really like to thank you for that informative segment there. I think think everybody is all a little bit smarter for hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. The uh, The next segment actually is uh, is kind of a follow-up with, with me also, so I'm going to speak a little bit about the, the vehicle code. Okay. Kind of inform the, our listeners, drivers and bicyclists both, particularly drivers, but both of us need to listen to this. The California Vehicle Code has some specifics in it that give us the right to use these roads. For example, the CVC 21200, California Vehicle Code 21200 states specifically, every person riding a bicycle upon a highway has all the rights and is subject to all the provisions applicable to the driver of a vehicle. So what that means is, as a bicyclist, you have the same rights as the person who's the motorist. CVC 21202, Section A, states also that any person operating a bicycle upon a roadway at a speed less than the normal speed of traffic moving in the same direction at that time shall ride as close as practicable to the right-hand curb or edge of the roadway, except under any of the following situations. And there's a few specific situations I'll get into in a minute. But what is the normal speed of traffic moving? But, you know, you're in an inner city. What do you think of that? Well, I, I guess the last I heard was 19 miles an hour. Jim Bledsoe was uh, pointing that one out to us a couple of weeks ago there. So uh, I, I would say that the I also... The guy in the Ferrari, yeah, I yep, remember that. The, the, the guy in the Ferrari pulled up alongside and said, hey, how fast do you go on that thing? What did he say, oh, about 140? Well, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> I think the other thing, I think recently they said buses, average speed of a bus is about is under 12 miles an hour So uh, in the city of Los Angeles. Yes, and that is a wonderful opportunity out there to get buses and bicycles to share specific lanes, such as bus lanes. And I believe most of the lanes in downtown L.A., are bus slash bikes. They, they are. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. Okay, that's great, because the bikes can keep up with the buses. All of a sudden, you've got you know a 12-foot lane now instead of a 3-foot bike lane. This so. is, this, it is a good point to mention that, once again, when you're dealing with a bus driver, you are still dealing with a driver, and you are still dealing probably with somebody who doesn't know as much about your rights as you do. So still, even though you guys are sharing the same space, you, you still want to keep a heads up there. Right, and, and let's continue on with those rights. The bicyclists do not have to stay as far to the right as is possible under all possible circumstances. So we need to understand this as drivers out there. Bicyclists are not required by any means to always ride in the gutter, in the debris, way over to the shoulder where they're basically invisible to traffic. 
they have a lot of leeway into where they can ride in the lane. For example, it specifically states, CVC 21202, when you are overtaking or passing another bicycle or another vehicle going the same direction, you can move left just like a vehicle, just to go around them, and that is a right that's empowered with uh, motor drivers too. Also, when preparing for a left turn at an intersection or into a private road or driveway, that is specifically called out in 21202. I would love to see more bicyclists learn how to make left turns just like a vehicle, like I saw when I was in London. It was, it was amazing. When I was in London a couple of years ago, downtown rush hour traffic. Here's people in suits and professional women in their skirts with briefcases on their bikes merging in through the roundabouts with their left turn hand out. And the drivers were just accommodating them and letting them in. That's beautiful. But, of course, the left turn is the right there. Oh, yeah, the, the left is the right in England. That's, that right. They do things backwards there, huh? Sort of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's England. Uh, that's not here, neither here nor there. But it would be wonderful to see L.A. do some things like that with the traffic calming and some education of motorists. So. Yeah, and there's... That all goes into us having empowerment, empowerment of the place where we're riding. So, like, uh, yeah, we learn to merge, learn to let ourselves get out there, uh, make ourselves seen. I think that would help out quite a bit. You want to finish up here with the uh, 21202? Yeah, the um, third specific in 21202 indicates that you can move left when reasonably necessary to avoid conditions, including but not limited to fixed or moving objects, vehicles, bicycles, pedestrians, animals, surface hazards, surface hazards or substandard with lanes that make it unsafe to continue on the right-hand curb or edge. And uh, let's talk about substandard with lane. Uh, did you, Jim? You well, yeah, I was going to ask you about how that particular provision applies to the class two bike lane and the fact that a lot of those are, <laughs> they're really not, they're, they're substandard. They, they make a substandard lane in that, that the car door can open into you. And, and basically the far left side of the, of the class two bike lane is the, actually the very, very minimal beginning safe spot to be riding. Uh, which which is uh, an interesting, very interesting conundrum, maybe. Yeah, Jim, I have a I have an opinion on on class two and uh, what the heck I'll say it. Let's <laughs> let's let's hear your call-ins. <laughs> what you think of me for saying this? Two one three two five two zero nine nine eight. I'm Brad House. Class two bike lanes in in and this is my personal opinion. They take you out of the comfort and safe zone, in my opinion. They put you in the debris zone. They put you in the gutter. They put you in the invisible area of the road. And personally, I prefer a wide curb lane without a bike lane. Bicycle lanes, in my opinion, have been designed to facilitate motor vehicle traffic flow, not for the safety of bicyclists. And that's my opinion now. What happens is they force you to do unnatural things, such as staying too far to the right when you approach an intersection, waiting too long to make a left turn, and riding in debris, and also, as Jim said, riding in the door zone. Many bike lanes are striped right along the parking shoulder, i.e., you've got your curb, you've got your parking, then you've got a white line 
which usually winds up underneath the left tires of the parked car. And then you have a second white line, usually about two more feet away from the car. But guess what? You've got a three-foot wide door on that car. So they have to be properly designed with lots of space. We really need more space than people think. You know, even you know, the state of Arizona, for example, has a law saying you can't pass a bicyclist any closer than three feet, the three-feet rule. Don't we have that as well? Um, it's been in the works. There was uh, some motion by a, a, a representative in Santa Barbara that imposed a three-feet rule a few years ago and tried to get it passed through state law, and it didn't pass, but I believe it's back now and being reviewed. And it, would, it would be wonderful to get something like that passed where we actually have metrics. Currently, there is a law that says you should not pass so close as to endanger someone else. Well, that's a little bit arbitrary. How do you measure that? Well, let's just make a lot says we measure it, three feet. Wonderful. That would be wonderful to see that. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. In any event, we have what we have. Bike lanes do have their advantages for cyclists. There are several different skill levels of cycling. Many of us in the downtown area are very skilled, and we have no problem sharing the roads with traffic. But there are those who are new to it and might feel more comfortable with an actual painted line on the street. Uh, do you, do you think that this this line is just a false sense of security? Uh, again, Jim, that's that's my personal opinion. I'm a I'm a sports cyclist. I'm a three time state champion. I have no problem riding with traffic. I do have a problem being told I've got to ride over in the debris and door zone by an arbitrary line way over to the right when you might have in some cases you might have a twenty foot lane and you still have a bike lane striped way over to the right in the gutter. Now, is it that we're being told to ride in that lane, but we don't legally have to stay in that lane, do we? You're being told by state law that you are supposed to ride in a bike lane with exceptions. And, and unfortunately, what happens is the, the public isn't always aware of the exceptions. Even law enforcement isn't always aware of the exceptions. They think that because there's a bike lane there, you need to be in that bike lane under all circumstances, at all times, under all conditions. That's just not true. Are there, are there alternatives? I mean, we've talked about things on the show here before, but what do you see, what in your opinion would be an excellent alternative to running bike lanes? Well, there's a, there's a wonderful program coming up in L.A. called uh, Sharrows that's being investigated as a pilot program. Yeah, yeah, Sharrows. Sharrows is a low-cost way to educate motorists and cyclists how to share road space. And Sharrows, what they are, they are a chevron-shaped arrow pointing basically right down either the right tire track or sometimes the center of the lane with a picture of a bicyclist on it saying, this is where you need to be riding, Mr. Bicyclist. And hello, motor, motorist, this is where you're going to see bicyclists, right in the lane. And I think it's a wonderful way to, to educate everybody out there, bicyclists and motorists as well, as to, to the proper way to ride, specifically in substandard width lanes, which I was going to get into here. It's a little bit uh, it's specific in the vehicle code that one of the reasons you can move left is to take command or take control of your own safety by taking control of the lane in the case of a substandard width lane. And the substandard width lane is, is arbitrarily defined in the vehicle code, specifically as a lane that is too narrow for a bicycle and a motor vehicle to travel safely side by side within the lane. And well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that gives the bicyclist the right to say, hey, this is a substandard width. So 
Uh, and the other time you can move left are when approaching a place, place for a right turn is authorized or when you see those dash marks on the bike lane as you approach an intersection. Those dash marks on the bike lane when you approach an intersection, to me, says, says danger, danger, get the heck out of the bike lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, well, one of the things that we see a lot here, I, I'm from Virginia, I see a lot of people uh, turning without turn signals. Is that is that legal here? And I'm talking about drivers specifically, You're not, talking about not drivers, necessarily yeah. cyclists. No, the vehicle code says you must use your turn signal in the last X hundred feet. I don't know how many hundred, 100, 200 feet, something like that. Okay. There is something in the vehicle code that says that. Apparently, we as motorists are too busy with our cell phones and radios and our children, soccer moms, whatever, to use our turn signals. Of course. Yeah. Well, the, so where were we? We when approaching a place where a right turn is authorized, we're right in the move vehicle the code, left. that's one of the specifics allowed in twenty-one two hundred two, where you can move left, and that's when approaching a place where a right turn only is authorized. What that means is, as you approach an intersection, which is where all the incidents usually occur, you need to move to the left if you're going straight. Get out of the right turn only lane. Get into the far right through lane, so it's very clear to drivers what you intend to do. If you come up to an intersection and you're staying in the gutter area, motors coming the other way, first of all, won't see you. Secondly, they might think you're turning right. Thirdly, you're allowing a motorist behind you to pass you and do what they call the right hook, take a right turn right across your front wheel. That'll never happen to me because I'm out in the intersection. I'm out in the middle where I'm visible. I might get honked at, but hey, I get honked at. I love it. That means they see me. Yeah, that's that's one thing. Uh, this is Eric Potter talking. It's one thing I've noticed uh, perhaps more than any other dangerous behavior uh, for cyclists on the road is that getting hung up in that right lane when there's cars there and if they're not signaling, there's still a good chance they're going to be turning right. And uh, we see that all the time in group rides. If we go out with like three or more riders and some will drift to the left and get into the through lane and, and others will sort of hang out in the right turn lane and you can, you can just see it coming when the when their tur- cars are turning right and uh, there's some kind of confrontation about to happen, yeah, yeah, right. No. right, yeah. It'd be wonderful if if the cyclists also could learn to to move as a group together and to drive their bicycles like they would drive a car. So so, anyways, in wrapping it up, if uh, if you've been ticketed or feel you've been treated unfairly as a cyclist out there and need legal advice. Uh, Tom Forsyth Law, I've got to give you his number, Tom Forsyth Law, he's a cyclist himself, 626-240-4633. Again, 626-240-4633. That's Tom Forsyth Law for issues involving your rights as a bicyclist and uh, ticket issues. Nick? Yeah, um, okay, so we just have uh, Cache here, and we have Jim C, and I was thinking maybe you guys want to each grab a mic and... Uh, all right. In the hot seat. Let me just say real quick that his work downtown in the bike district. Uh, you can see it in South Central Graffiti uh, oh, Cache, graffiti artist. He does these chickens on bikes. I don't know if you've seen him. He does other things too, but He's well-known in the biking community for his round chickens on bikes. You could see it on the Sunset Boulevard mural. And uh, at the school where I work at, we have a big mural that he's uh, done part of. And 
I thought he was famous, but apparently people on the West Side don't always uh, know who he is. But uh, here's Cachet. He's in the studio. Hey, guys. How are hey. you? <laughs> uh, yeah, the famous remark. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't do graffiti for fame. I do it for the pleasure of painting, and that's it. Um, <laughs> what, what's the pain? What's the pain? Cachet, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and where, where the name Cachet comes from? Yeah. Kache is a name that my mom used to uh, refer to um, panache or stylish, and I thought it was kind of a cool word, so I decided to paint it on the walls. So basically, you're stylish. Exactly. Yeah. That's very yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> do, what what does uh, what does your painting mean to you? What, um, what do your paintings mean to you? Freedom, freedom to show that I can do what I'm not supposed to do, and it's a way that I. It's it's not for fame. It's it's just a a way to release my tensions through you know putting these things up on the wall and kind of systematically get rid of institutionalized looking walls um, in our community, which are kind of depressing and mind numbing. Um, I think by putting color on walls, I actually I'm trying to wake people's uh, imagination. I'll, now I've noticed you. Your piece is up the entire time I've been here. It's four years. How how long have you been painting walls? Well, I've been in the graffiti game uh, for about 17 years now. Um, it was mostly tagging and bombing at first during the 90s. And uh, once I got a little older, though, um, which is a funny thing, when you get older, it's when the styles come in and people expect you to stop painting but that's actually when you get really good at it, and you just want to do it more. So um, 2002 or 2003, actually, I uh, had a friend of mine who saw me sketching out these little chicken designs. Uh, he was a fellow messenger in downtown. Um, people know him as Cesar. And then he told me that, you know what, you should be doing something with those chickens. You know, you got all these this pretty cool ideas, and you should be doing something with this. So I said, hey, it's a good idea. And people usually ask why I chose to paint these chickens. And it kind of started as a joke. But then I got familiar with uh, Carlos Castaneda's books and how he talks about humans being no different than chickens and how those that rule over us have created these humaneros, which is like a chicken coop. And we're all kind of caught in that matrix of, you know, being slaves. And I was like, hey, wait a moment. If we are like chickens, I could probably make walls with these chickens depicting things that humans do, and people will find them hilarious. But subconsciously, I'm trying to you know, make people understand that we need to free ourselves and no longer be chickens. That's something uh, that I noticed on the mural on Sunset Boulevard between Silver Lake and Echo Park. Um, the whole backdrop of Los Angeles and maybe the cityscape is a little bit imposing and there's helicopters, but the chickens are out there enjoying themselves yeah. and they're doing, they're expressing themselves, they're doing the things they want to do. And it's this kind of like subversive joy to what's happening. And yeah, maybe our condition is something like chickens in a coop, but there's also something about the chicken to me that strikes me as being kind of humble and maybe that there's always a little spark of of hope and joy 
that uh, can be expressed in the definitely. I mean, in the end, that's what matters is just to be happy and uh, make the best of things. I mean, when we get caught up on religious matters or political matters, um, you notice the spiral downwards that humanity has taken and. Uh, the only way to climb out of that hole is just to think positive. I know it's really hard because everything around us seems pretty effed up right now. You know, and any way you look, uh, wars, poverty, loss of jobs, um, indigenous people being killed everywhere around the world. It drags you down, but just trying to keep the positive mentality that things can be changed. And maybe something as simple as painting a wall could spark something in somebody's head. Like that wall you mentioned on Sunset with the big city on the back. Um, we laughed because once we were done, we're like, we don't have that many buildings in LA, you know, like we did on the wall. But sometimes it, it does feel like LA is full of buildings like that. It does feel like there is no, there's nothing pretty to look at, you know. It's such a concrete jungle. You know, so it sounds kind of cliche, but it is a concrete jungle here. And seeing these chickens marching down the street, taking over the streets. Um, you're adding some of the pretty something to look at. Exactly. So by doing that, what I'm hoping is that the kids that, you know, are heading to school, you know, there's a few schools around. These kids are going to school. They see this wall. And they see this little Jewish and this like, little Arab chicken talking about going to Hollywood and getting falafel, you know. And I want it to be, like, in their head that no matter what color you are, what religion you follow, be you're a Christian or a Satanist, we all eat the same things. We all think the same. We all use the restroom like everybody else does. Um, so, yeah, I, wanna, I want things to think positive. I mean, I think most of the influences that we have nowadays are very negative. Uh, every single thing that has been created by people with good intentions has been corrupted. You know, something as simple and beautiful as hip-hop has been corrupted to, you know, get people slaved in that bling mentality, you know, the materialistic view of that if you have a nice car with spinning wheels... Um, you're the shit, you know. Well, you don't need a, a car with spinning wheels to be the shit, you know. I know people that take the bus that I think are greater than the people we have in power nowadays, you know. Uh, ten four to that. Bikes with spinning wheels. Yeah, that's another thing I noticed working at Orange 20. And, um, yeah, exactly. Like, I see a lot of people that come into the shop Bike jocks are still jocks. <laughs> See a lot of people that come into the shop, and I try to be really helpful about, you know, how things work and how good a set of wheels might be. But they don't care how good the set of wheels is. They just want what's cool, yeah. you know. I had kids straight out ask me, like, well, which one's the coolest wheel you have? Which is the coolest crank? I'm like, just because something's cool, that's, I mean, it's a great thing, you know. And at, the, at Kitchen, we think the coolest wheel is the one that you built. Uh, yeah, I wish I could build wheels. That's yeah. one thing I can do. Yeah, you you talked a little bit about working downtown as a messenger. Uh, you, I've seen your stuff up all over the place. Has riding a bike helped you spot walls? Spot what? You're yeah, going I mean, when you ride a bicycle, you get to see the city for what it is. If you decide to go 
um, walking around the city, you see more than you see on a bicycle. But when you're in a vehicle, you just cut up on that little capsule of yours. And I'm not talking shit about cars. I drive a car myself. But I choose to ride bicycles more than I ride um, or drive a car. And you're so caught up in this capsule with the only little thing going on, listening to your music, and you're going 35 miles an hour. You're just waiting for the light to change, and you don't see anything. But once you're on a bicycle, you see walls, you see plants growing on the side of the road, you see that pothole that you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, so it, it becomes a more intimate relationship with the city you're living in. How do, you, how do you spot a good wall? How do you find it? Well, what I do, I try to find walls that are really tagged up and neglected. I see walls that the paint might be chipping off of them. Um, and then I just stalk them for a few days, see how long the tags are running on them. And when money becomes available, I go and you know start getting my paint together and invite a few people. If they're down to paint with me, then we'll get this thing going. And it's a chance we're taking because... When you gangster a wall like that or you pirate a wall like this, uh, there's a chance that it might not make it overnight. But luckily, I've been fortunate enough to um, have my things continue going. And actually, people in the community tend to like them. And so that's cool. One thing also, Kache, I noticed, you know, actually just last week, I noticed uh, the wall down by Echo Park was all tagged up with a nasty tag. And one of the things that I love about about you in your artwork is that you take care of your stuff. You take care of your walls. If a wall gets tagged on immediately, like it's like, I feel like it's the next day or two days later, you're, you're back there cleaning it up and it's pretty again. Yeah. Um, do you have like a little, like, I feel like you must have like a little army of, (laughs) of people or something that tells you, keeps you updated with, uh, yeah, I have a gang of friends who, um, through my space, usually they send me messages like, hey, you got to watch this wall, man. It has a tag on it or somebody did this to that. And it's inevitable to happen. It happens. You know, there's always going to be that someone that's not going to like your stuff or is going to hate on you or, or just out of ignorance are going to mess up your walls, you know. And I, no hard feelings towards these people at all. I just, I just look at it like they're giving me a chance to come and retouch this wall. And... You know, maybe I incorporate something new. Maybe I, you know, maybe when I did this wall, I could have been like, oh, maybe this would have looked better with a green background. And then I decided to change it to a green. And that's pretty much what I do. So it gives you a little bit of an opportunity to play around with it the walls does. you've already covered. It does. Because a thing that I noticed was... And that's was not permission, everybody. Not permission to go <laughs> tagging as well. <laughs> um, I was speaking to Nick earlier about graffiti or art in in general that you put on the streets you know that's that's you right there that piece belongs to me it's no different than my hand or my leg that is me right there so i gotta keep you know keep it clean i gotta take care of it because it's it has nothing to do with fame but it it is you that's out there and people see this exactly it is extension of you exactly it is and you you gotta take care of your walls i met i met some people from you know, the city, and they tell me that there's certain muralists, because I see some murals that never get cleaned up, and the tags are all over it, and then they just continue to have it more and more. The and wall right next to your wall by Echo Park, maybe? I <laughs> don't want to mention any walls, because I don't want to hurt any muralist feelings, but some of these muralists won't touch a brush unless the city is paying them to do it, you know, and I, I won't do that. 
because I fund myself. Like, I buy my paint, I steal my paint, whatever I have to do to get this thing going. And if I if I need to clean something off my wall, there's been times where I have five bucks in my pocket to get lunch, and I see that something was messed up on my wall. Maybe I went to get more paint with those five bucks to clean up the wall. And I don't expect the city to pay me to do things, you know. This, I think it's time for most people around mm. the world to, like, take responsibility for their own actions, for their own shit, you know, start relying on companies, government, and whatever else to, you know, right. help you out. Just think, no, think each one of us should help. If, right. we'd, if we'd acted that way with the 84 uh, malls, all the murals that the, the 84 Olympics put up, Exactly. You know, all those guys, those are all gone. Yeah, they because are. Because the people that didn't didn't take and, and, and let them be works in progress and continue, they just said, oh, I got paid for this boom. And exactly. Done. And yeah. those were beautiful murals, man, you know. Yeah. And all it took was, exactly, they're and great. all it took was for this muralist to go, maybe, I don't know, maybe they're in a wheelchair now, and that's right. where they can clean up their pieces anymore. But Right. I, but they, then even, they, even Ken Twitchell got hit, you know. He had that huge thing downtown, and and and... Somebody just went and painted him out completely. Exactly. And, you know, so there's a long tradition of public art. And, and I think that you're on to something that's really, really integral into that is, is that you, you're keeping it, you know, that's really important. Yeah, definitely, man. That I, if you are going to be a muralist, that you understand that it's a commitment for your, your whole There thing is a commitment a, to this because you know, that mural... It's funny because when you start doing this type of work on the streets, you don't realize how you are helping not only your community, but that city be recognized outside of itself by other artists who come over. And, you know, like when I was a kid, it was always beautiful to me to go to uh, San Francisco. You know, there was this artist's uh, dream. And I used to love going to San Francisco just to try to find one of his walls. And, you know, then he passed away and, you know, I was like, wow, man, I got to see this dude's art when he was still alive. Until today, that was probably one of those influences. Of, you know, people tell me like, oh, why aren't you into like going to other cities and bombing other cities or going to other countries? Because I don't live there. I don't give a shit about those people. I give a shit about the people in my community. Like, I Not want true. You do give a shit about oh, yeah. them. <laughs> All right. I do give a shit about them as human beings. But as within my community, like I... I by painting my communities, I'm trying to bring more people to my communities to see this. Like, people tell me, it was funny because last time some dude came up to me. He's like, oh, you're really helping, like, gentrify that community. I was like, fuck you for saying that, man, because I'm doing this for the people that are still left in my community. Like, there is good people coming into the community, but there's also people who come with really bad intentions or maybe not thinking at all how they're affecting our communities. How rent is so high now. It has double, triple for a lot of people, and they're, you know, low-income people have to move like 50 60 miles away from the community and it sucks it really sucks but that's the way things are nowadays actually i read some interesting article a few months ago about uh taggers that like will go they'll have moved out because they'll be priced out of their rents right but they'll take buses back to the city to back to where they were living and re-tag the streets to like keep up yeah it was funny because commuter taggers yeah (laughs) well it's always been kind of funny like that because um for example downtown la i don't know guys remember 10 12 years ago, it was a... Aren't, aren't you commuting from Boston now to keep up your tags? Ah, oh, man. Don't talk about Boston, man. <laughs> did, you hit, did you hit Boston at all? I, I just cut, like, a tag here and there. And there was nobody to write for. I mean, there is... 
I'm sure there was a graffiti community somewhere, but I just couldn't, I couldn't really find them. Yeah, I couldn't really find anything that I liked. I mean, I met some artists who was great. He was an awesome guy, this kid I formation. And we painted a mill together and clarified things. I wasn't in Boston. I was in Lowell, Massachusetts. Sorry, Lowell. Yeah, so there was really no one to paint for. I saw a lot of graffiti on trains passing by, uh, people from New Hampshire or Maine who are doing nice productions on the side of trains, but I've never been a train bomber, never cared for, you know, for that. But um, I don't know. L.A. is L.A. Do you well, do houses? Do you do people's like private houses? Yes. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I know. Can I say? Can I mention? Yeah. Uh, yeah I. I. Uh, I think I contracted with you to uh, do a wall in my house Definitely. on this Wednesday. Yeah, I this couldn't Wednesday. believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, and it's reasonable. <laughs> I guess because I, I said I'm a teacher and he knows what I make, so he's gonna make it uh, for his his good price. Definitely. <laughs> Nick do- Nick is a teacher and bike talk king of the radio. <laughs> Uh, no, media. you know, I tend to do whatever it takes to do to pay the rent, you know, um, try not to rely on, you know, a corporate job to pay my bills. Um, I, if people want me to paint a canvas for them, I'll paint a canvas for them. Um, I paint shoes too for people and I'm not trying to put a plug here for people to give me commission work, but, um, Uh, there's a problem with Ashiro's. Yeah, I was going to say that I'll put a plug in. Um, I'll put a plug in for Kache's work. You can hit him up on MySpace. He paints awesome shoes and top tube pads and canvases and walls and lots of other things. Again, you can call in and talk to... You can, yeah, he, pa- he was painting an RV a couple days ago, I just heard. Call in, 213-252-0998. You're on Bike Talk, Kill Radio, Bike Talk with Kache. We got Jim C. here from Orange 20 Bikes. Um, I just wa- I want to, sorry, do you? No, go for it. I, wa- I don't maybe you guys talked about this. I walked in kind of late. Um, did you talk about the three walls on Sunset Boulevard already? No, I haven't. All right, because I know, like, when I moved to when I moved back to LA about three years ago, you had one wall there, right. and then shortly after, maybe like a year after, or so you took over another wall, right. and that's with Mir One, right? Yeah, and uh, and I won, but then and those first two walls you didn't really have permission for, right? No, none of them really had permission. But I mean, didn't the, the, the third Los, wall didn't like didn't did the you Los have, Angeles one? Yeah. Um, Talk to us about that wall, because yeah. I remember something you, you got. Did the city pay for your paint? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> oh I wish. <laughs> no, <laughs> I got no, all no. excited. For some reason, I had it in my head. No, no. See, what happened with the wall paint. was that there was a few other artists who tried to do the same thing, painting in the daytime, but it didn't, you know, they got busted, whatever. I saw them actually. Yeah, they were working on this wall, and they got busted. Yeah, I was there when the cops came up. It was like at dusk, yeah. pretty much, and they got busted up. And yeah, I mean, no one went to jail for what I know. No, they but just told them to shut told it down. Yeah. yeah. So then I decided that I wanted to get this wall. Then I met someone that well, was. But, well, it was it was white for a long time. Like every time somebody tags it, I was keeping an eye on it, and every time somebody came by and tagged it up, they would just repaint it right. white. Well, what I did was that I was in front of Orange Twenty One day, and I bumped into someone who works for Eric uh, Garcetti's office. And she happened to be an old friend of mine from high school. So I told her that I had an interest on in painting these walls. So she actually went ahead and talked to Eric Garcetti. And they gave me the okay to go ahead and paint this wall. 
and it wasn't a permission from the city it wasn't anything like that it was just i had the okay and i mean it was still up to the cops discretion to right. put oh, me in jail really? or not. yeah wow. it was just i had this so you didn't have like any permission slip or anything uh, i had a handwritten said, note like, okay, by this here. person who worked for eric Garcetti. Right? and, and <laughs> it was funny because really the cops did come when we were painting and they did ask for the permit and the cop laughed at me and said this is not a permit so luckily there was a phone number there and he talked to her. But I know this cop was only looking out for himself. And yeah. I'm not saying that I but like also, cops. It's but also kind of like, you know, I feel like you're like the chickens see are seemingly pretty innocuous. Yeah. So it's not like you're it's not like you're doing a huge piece of your name. Yeah. You know, or I like just, something that's like it's well, like what I realize is the graffiti uh graffiti art itself has always been our thing, like within our circle of graffiti writers, you know. And it's always been like, us, fuck you, you know? Well, now I'm saying us and you, you know? Not fuck you, but and you. I'm trying to incorporate the rest of my community, you know, to enjoy what we're doing. And if people can read the graffiti that's on the wall, and this is just human nature, that if you don't understand something, you're going to fear that, you know? So people fear that, you know, to a lot of graffiti writers, this is like an awesome piece. But to, you know, a normal Joe Schmo who just drinks beer at home watching football games, this is probably going to be like, oh, no, gangsters in our community, you know? Or or to people like, you know, I love my dad, but, you, you know, like my, like he's opened his mind a lot because I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at that piece, you know? And so he's more open to it, but not just the random guy. Like, you know, my parents are like my, I have friends that are like, oh, but graffiti, oh, my goodness, yeah. you know? And they have like these kind of old school mentalities about it as opposed to the art of it right you know they associate it with like still with gangs and tigers and all that yeah know? but th that is the art of graffiti it's all that comes with it it's not right. just a piece that's on the wall it's a person who's behind it and his associates and the lifestyle that they live and you know i'm not um that's another thing that people trip out when they see me and they see that you know i'm not wearing baggy pants and i don't have a backpack all the time and i'm you know like this like b-boy uh Graffiti is beyond that, you know. I remember this kid that used to write Sonic back in the days. And he was like this punk rocker looking dude with like leather jackets and tight, tight pants. And I'm talking about like early 90s. And to me to see a graffiti writer that looked like that was completely out of the loop of where graffiti was. And, and it opened up my mind that, dude, you don't have to wear a uniform to be something, right? And it's the same with all these cyclists today, too. That, you know, they think they have to have this bag to be, like, the shit. They have to have a fixie bike to be the shit. Nah, dude, as long as you're spinning your legs, you're the shit, you know? As long as you're decided right from point A to B, you're the shit. It's not what you wear. It's not what you ride. It's just who you are and how you go about it. Amen to that one. For sure. Wow. And that's something that I think people need to realize, man. Like, we need to stop following patterns, you know? Just be free and do as you wish, you know? Yeah, it's, that's something we desperately need. Uh, <laughs> uh, we need to count on our friends and neighbors to step up and express themselves in a way that, that may be a little bit different from what we're used to seeing and keep us vital as a community. Definitely. Yeah, but I don't think that we need to do that. We, we're already there. <laughs> we here, we're already there. And and those and, and it's kind of funny, but that Joe Sixpack guy... Um, we want those guys to think, well, I got to go to the store and 
is the air enough in my bike now to ride to the store? Exactly. Do I need to pump up my tire before I go to the store? Do I come from and, a family where my, my sister and my brother live within like two blocks of my mom's house and they drive to my mother's house <laughs> and they drive to the liquor store in the corner and they kind of tend to look at me like I'm like, you know, kind of weird because I'm, you know, I'm right, on my bike right. all the time. So we, we, want, we want that cool factor. We don't, don't worry about that, that <laughs> which one's cool and not. We want that cool factor to become... You know, like, yeah, it's we win, we win, we win. When as Orlando gets more and more upset, <laughs> we win. Sorry, Orlando, but it's true. <laughs> Orlando, we love you, <laughs> Orlando. Um, well, I know Nick. We've got about ten minutes left. Is that uh, is that that's we've got ten minutes left of bike talk. Anybody call in? What's the phone number? We have the phone number two one three two five two zero nine nine eight. Call us up. Talk to Kache, world famous chicken. No. <laughs> chicken painter, world famous, world famous. No. <laughs> Jim C, hold on. Kache, I've been meaning to ask you do you have any pieces that, anything that is your favorite? We've talked about the stuff on Sunset, the stuff that you're famous for. You know, yeah. do you have anything that, that you actually love? Well, the funny thing is that most people are just. Um, they're familiar with my pieces on this side of town, but I actually have a lot of pieces like in South Central where, you know, I'm from a crew called K4P, which is Kill for Pride, and they're all South Central kids. And we tend to paint a lot down there. We have a lot of hidden walls or just illegals that we do. And some of my favorite productions are down there. I uh, want a Kache tour. <laughs> I've asked you before. Yeah, somebody asked this, but I have to go see how many of those walls are still left and how many people are willing to go to South Central to look at I'm my I'm willing life. to go to South Central <laughs> on a Kache tour. Yeah, bike talk, bike talk on the road <laughs> with Kache. We'll film it. Definitely, man. Uh, one of my favorite pieces is with my friend Beiser. Uh, he's also from K4P. We did this Mario Brothers production. Uh, we actually did two of them, but one of them's not running anymore. It was on the side of the 5 freeway. Uh, the one that's running right now is on 37th and Normandy. Um, we did like the old school Mario Brothers, and uh, it was great. I love it. And what I like more about the walls is not even how the wall came out. Is the time that I spent with my buddies, like just totally. chilling with buddies. And yeah. it's as we get older, it's harder to hook up. You know, I have my life. They have their lives. They have their kids. I don't have any kids, but they have their kids and jobs and not jobs, and. So when we get together, that that's the beauty of the production, just yeah. getting together with your buddies. That giant wall that I came by and shot lots of photographs of you, it was with, uh, like, I don't know, Vile and Sherm. Yeah, and that's the one that's I next won. to the school in Santiago. Yeah, that one's beautiful. That was really that was really special. I could see that, like, even though it was so hot that day. <laughs> oh, that's the school that Nick teaches at. Awesome. <laughs> Do you, so you know that mural. Yeah, the, the bunnies eating carrots. Sherm told me that she usually paints bunnies eating ice yeah. cream. It but was funny because I didn't know that many people were going to show up. Uh, Ayer, who's my painting buddy, who paints those Zapatistas with me, um, he got Vile to show up and do his like crazy characters. And then, you know, Sherm showed up and do her, did her little bunnies. And we have Bash. Work was there. Yeah, Bash and Precise. And like just old school writers who I love to paint with, you know. That was really special. Like, even for me, like, I'm really, I mean, so don't know anything from anything except just the little bit yeah. that I know. It was so sweet to, to be there and photograph and see the way you guys interact and work together. I mean, yeah. it was so amazing to watch everybody working together. And it was, it, it was funny because uh, what I noticed that I or and myself have done within our group of friends is that there was people in my crew who felt like, oh, you know, I or crew, whatever, they're... 
you know, they had everything going. And I felt kind of the same. Sky like, high. Yeah, so I thought the same about the kids from SH. It was like, oh, they had their own thing going. But now we're incorporating ourselves together. Never, yeah, it's we all never community. Bi- we never bite each other. That's one thing I like about our crews. We never bite anybody's style. We all have our own thing. And SH has old school writers who I used to look up to when I was a kid. People like Panic, you know. And I'm, I get to paint with these dudes. And to me, it's amazing, you know. It's like... I can, it puts a smile on my face to know that I'm painting with such old school cats, you know? And then I'm sure you meet kids that are like, whoa. I met one kid, actually. I I don't remember his name. Sorry, dude. But he was all, he was so stoked that you were painting into bikes, this whole thing. You worked at Orange. He was just so, (laughs) so stoked to like, (laughs) you know, have you in his immediate kind of existence of life, you know? No, I I don't like the people idolize artists. That's another thing I'm against. You know, like I don't want anybody idolizing me. Like enjoy my pieces, but I'm just another human being, just like you. You know, I struggle like you do. You know, I got a mom who cleans houses for a living. Yeah, I'm just another dude. You know, trying to make it through life. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nick is Nick, Nick wants your mom to call in. No, she's actually working. She doesn't even know I'm on the radio right now. Aww. <laughs> Well, do we, well, um, I know we have about five minutes left or so. Uh, yeah, do, do, um, do you want to wrap it up with a, with a, with a um, you know, something about. Kache, uh, tell us. Uh, can hear you. I know, yeah. Kache, tell us, tell us the future, Kache. Are we going to take a Kache tour of your on bikes? I have to take a walk um, certain places to see certain walls are still there. And how safe it will be to bring people over. Um, I have been out of the loop for about six months because I moved to Massachusetts. I just came back. I'm trying to put some money back in my pocket right now so I can start doing more walls. So it will be a few days, maybe a month or so, till I can think of putting we'll it work right it together. out. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, uh, we can come from the studio and then go from here. Nick <laughs> is saying we can come from the studio and then leave from here. Maybe like post bike talk. Definitely. <laughs> One day. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, but thank you guys for inviting me here. And thanks so uh, much for being here. Hold on, here's Jim C. Yeah, thanks, man. There are a few th- few other things. I don't know if uh, anybody's got a ride calendar together, but there is going to be a benefit for Jeremy, LA Fix guy who lost his house in the fires this month. Uh, he's going to, we're going to be putting together some roller races over at Orange 20, uh, corner of Melrose and Heliotrope, Friday, December 12th from 8 till 10. So come on down, race a little, we're going to donate some prizes, and hopefully we can raise some money here for... Cool, um, I'll probably do some pieces and sell them through there, and the money could go to this kid. That's an excellent idea. That is great, um... I'm just struck, Jim. Uh, maybe people out there don't necessarily know what these indoor races are on rollers. Maybe you can explain that. Uh, basically, the roller races are stationary bikes where where the fork is held in in place. Uh, the not not stationary bikes like exercise bikes, though. They're right. actually they're just stationary, meaning that the fork is attached right. to the yeah. front. Yeah, and then the the fork is. The front wheel's removed, the fork's attached, but the rest of it is a bike that is actually on rollers. Rollers are designed to let you ride your bike indoors when it's really nasty outside or to just train uh, for long periods of time without having to stop pedaling. And so uh, they measure measure your speed, they measure your distance, and whoever goes the fastest in the shortest period of time 
It's quite something to see, too. They had some set up on uh, Thanksgiving night because they project uh, behind the two riders numbers about how fast they're going, and it's, it's just an all-out sprint, and uh, it's, it's, some, it's quite something to see. So that that's going to be a pretty big event. It looks like we might have somebody on the phone here. What do, what do we have going on here, Brad? Yeah, that's way cool, roller racing. You know, I'm a, I'm a track racer, a former track racer. I used to race the velodrome at the uh, Cal State Dominguez Hills when it was the old concrete one. I oh, raced yeah. at the pro level for many years and uh, got a chance to beat Frankie Andreo himself out there that's pretty in awesome. a scratch race. And uh, I do have a set of rollers. And uh, right now I've got uh, our next feature is, is to talk a little bit more about the sport of bicycling. And right now I've got Johnny Rondash on the phone. He's a uh, 2007 road Masters 35-plus state champion, also two-time team pursuit champion, state of California. And he's also the co-founder of the uh, Now MS Society uh, bicycle racing team. Johnny, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? How are you doing, Brian? Fine, fine. Uh, you're on your way back from the uh, infamous Simi Valley training ride where hundreds of cyclists go every winter that uh, want to get some miles under their legs and everything. And uh, we're talking about, uh, we're on Bike Talk here at Kill Radio, KLL, 213-252-0998. And, uh, you know, bicycling's a, a really friendly sport, body-friendly. It's uh, low-impact, easy on the joints, and can be a lifelong sport carried on over many, many years. And it's also the only sport that can be used as a form of transportation. It's highly aerobic and one of the most strenuous forms of competition that uh, can really strengthen your cardiovascular systems. I feel it's underrepresented. Sometimes, it, you know, how, you know, what do you think, Johnny? How represented is our sport among the public at the uh, pro level as well as at the grassroots level? What do you think? Um, I, think I think at the amateur level, I think it, it, it needs more representation. But I think at the pro level with the Tour of California and, you know, with Lance Armstrong uh, having such a huge impact, um, I, I think... Uh, the pros get a lot of notoriety, um, but I think it's the amateurs. I think sometimes are the true unsung heroes that uh, don't get represented. Um, you know, they, we all we all ride our bikes because we love to ride it, not really trying to get a contract like most of the pros. And um, and like I was uh, telling a friend earlier, a lot of us amateurs kind of have to piecemeal together our season, riding for you know various teams and what have you. And like myself, uh, you know, co-founding one. You know, the and now MS U25 program, I actually have to race on a different squad with Team Helen for Masters for this next year, you know, just to, you know, so I can get to the races I want to get to and have a good time and be with the right people that I enjoy riding my bike with. Right, right, yeah. And Team Helens has been a fixture in the South Bay area for, for many years as, as a local large amateur cycling team as well. Um, the, uh, the, you know, one of my passions has been putting on events, too. I own Back on Track Productions, and I think I mentioned this to Nick. We've got, in the wintertime, we've got a series called the Urban Cyclocross Series. And a shout-out to Jim C. Also, he sponsors our single-speed categories. We do have two single-speed categories at the Urban Cyclocross. Uh, the next event's coming up December 14th, and you can find out more about the Urban Cyclocross. Do you ever do cyclocross? Uh, you can find out more about the Urban Cyclocross at backontrackproductions.com. And uh, have you guys ever done cyclocross, the Now MS Society, any of your team? Oh, absolutely. We just had, uh, I think, I believe it's in the threes, we just had uh, 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 Ben Cromwell just, um, I think, won the title with you guys. He just came over for... Uh, state champion. State champion, I yes. think, yeah. He, uh, he did a fantastic job. He's a great mountain biker, and uh, i I, you know, I got to say, um, I, I love your, uh, your events, um, <laughs> even your, your master's uh, events on the road doing the crits, but your cross races are awesome. Oh, right, right. Back on Track Productions also promotes the uh, Masters Cycle League. Yes. And what this is is a, uh, a team competition 
for ages 35 and over that goes on throughout the circuit in Southern California, starting in March and ending in July or August, typically. And we encourage teams to sign up and compete for points, and all prizes go to teams only. So it encourages cycling as a team sport. So. Absolutely. All right. I think, um, I think, I think uh, Brian, I have to say one thing. I think yeah. with your, your uh, Master Cycling League, I think that is truly one of the true essence of cycling with these crits that are local. I think there's probably more of a camaraderie built within the cycling community doing those races. Mm -hmm. Because you do race as a team, there's nothing individual about it, and I think that's one of the big things about cycling. Right. It's definitely uh, um, uh, expands your 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 um, just instead of just being an athlete, you are a sportsman or a true competitor, and I think that's what cycling's all about. And I I do hope it gets more notoriety uh, in the next up and coming years. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, this winter we've got cyclocross, we've got roller racing, we've got a lot of things happening, and uh, the racing season typically starts in February. We've got the Amgen Tour of California. Yeah, sign me up for the roller races, by the way, Brad. Don't okay. I'll get you information later from uh, Jim C. on the. Oh, oh, go, 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 All right. Thanks a lot, Johnny. We'll, we'll oh, see if we can go. To, we'll go to another caller shortly. Okay. I don't know if we have time. We got like one I I like the Amgen Tour of California. It's really fun to watch. Um, so now you guys are on uh, mic. Tell us. On mic, back on mic. I was just saying that I really like the um, the Amgen Tour of California. I like watching it a lot. Yeah, that that's a uh, what's called a stage race, and it is at the pro level. These are long, long races. Um, I want to identify real quick a couple of types of racing going on. There's criteriums. There's road races. There's stage races. There's time trials. And these are various styles of racing. There's also track racing, roller racing. You can find out more about all these types of racing at usacycling.org, usacycling.org. Thanks. Thanks so much for Thank joining you. us. And um, so we had Brad House, we had Cache, we had Jim C, we had Ashira, we had me, Nick, we had Steve. Uh, we had, oh yeah, Ryan Bowen, um, and uh, we also had Eric Gibson, Eric, what's your last name, Eric? Eric Potter, Jim Blitzo from Bike Kitchen. Woo, shout out to LA, shout out to LA, what, what? The day began with a rainbow in the sand as I cycled into Kerry. Cattle grazing on a steep hillside looked well fed, well balanced, close to the edge. Pedal on, pedal on, pedal on for miles, pedal on. Pedal on, pedal on, pedal on for miles, pedal on. I take a break, I close my eyes, and I'm as happy as the dolphin. In a quiet spot, talking to myself. Talking about the rain. Talking about the rain. All this rain. Whenever I'm alone, I tend to brood But when I'm out on my bike, it's a different mood I leave my brain at home, get up on the saddle No hanging around, I don't diddle-daddle I work my legs, I pump my thighs Taking the scenery, passing me by The Kerry Mountains or the Wicklow Hills The antidote to my emotional ills Emotion built upon human toil Nuclear free, needs no oil But it makes me hot, makes me hard I never thought I could have come this far Through miles of mountains, valleys, streams This is the right stuff filling my dreams So come on Get up on your bike. I go on. Get up on your bike. I pedal on, pedal on, pedal on for miles, pedal on. 
my face to that bitter wind I bonded into Killarney Skin raw like a sushi dinner An appetite that would eat the hind leg of the Lamb of God Even though you know I wouldn't dream of doing such a thing Go settle down for a quiet night To think about what I've been seen and done and wonder The reason for this, now is the time to speak of the problem, trouble my mind. Sick of the traffic, choking the towns, freaking me out, bringing me down. Knock down houses, build more lanes. Once was a problem, but now it's insane. My solution, it's one that I like, it's murder. So you can stick a motorbike. So come on, get up on your bike. I go on, get up on your bike. Cycled into Kerry Cattle grazing on a steep hillside Looked well fed, well balanced and Close to the edge